When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are born free, and we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Welcome in, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty Podcast Network. And you might be listening on that podcast network. And if you are, you have access to three Lions of Liberty brand shows every single week. We have our flagship program, uh, Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare, hosted by, shocker here, guys, it's hosted by Mark Clare. But uh, Mark just does an exceptional job interviewing Free thinkers, entrepreneurs, people who are challenging the status quo in uh, all sorts of different ways. He's, I really am enjoying the direction he's taking the show, and he's even taking it somewhat into a little conspiratorial direction, which I love. I love to walk down that conspiracy rabbit hole. Do you walk down a rabbit hole? No. You, I think you shimmy down a rabbit hole. Shimmy down that rabbit hole with, with Mark Claire on Mondays and on Wednesdays. You have Brian McWilliams' new show, Mean Age Daydream, and similar to his old show, but a little bit more uh, on the comedic side, and uh, Brian's doing a a great job there. Just had Dave Rubin on, so if you missed that, check it out. Then, of course, you get this show every single Thursday, Finding Freedom, but you can also subscribe to the Finding Freedom podcast, and you just get my show. A couple reasons you might want to do that. If you have an episode, maybe like today's episode, which is going to appeal to a very, very large audience, Um, and you just want to share just that show without bringing in the whole whole network feed and everything else, understandable. Um, You can do that by searching Finding Freedom, John Odermatt, and it'll pop up on any podcatcher that you do that on. For today's show... Uh, going to be a little bit different. I'm doing something I've never done before. Um, instead of talking about uh, you know some articles and trending news topics, or instead of interviewing uh, someone this week, I'm going to be reading an article uh, from Fortune. And I, I want to do this for a couple different reasons. One reason is it's a long article, and it's really hard to just... I don't just want to go in and pick parts and, and summarize. I'm pretty much going to read the article. I will chime in from time to time with some uh, some criticisms, some uh, some critiques, things of that nature. But for the most part, I'm going to read the article. The second reason is I've been traveling this week, um, wasn't able to line up my schedule with uh, with guests, and I am just I'm pretty tired, and I don't have the energy right now to put into uh, producing and uh, coming up with the topics for a show. But honestly, another reason, and the main reason I'm doing this, it's a test. Uh, When you have a podcast, you can test different things. And I'm going to test out 
the kind of response I get to reading an article that really, who reads articles anymore? Not, not many people. I mean, when, what's, what's the last article you read from, from start to finish? And people read headlines, they read tweets about articles, they, they, they read uh, articles about articles, blogs about articles, um, all that stuff. But do they actually read an article? I don't know. So let's dive in and give this a read. Like I said, this is in Fortune. I will link to it on the show notes page. It is titled, An Algorithm That Screens for Child Neglect Raises Concerns. And of course, as soon as I start scrolling, I get the pop-up coming up. Another reason why you should listen to me read it rather rather than reading it yourself, you don't have to deal with pop-ups. You don't have to deal with ads. You don't have to deal with any of that junk. You can just sit back, kick back on your drive to work or while you're working or while you're working in the garden and listen to me read this article to you. Inside a cavernous store fortress in downtown Pittsburgh, attorney Robin Frank defends parents at one of their lowest points when they risk losing their children. The job is never easy, but in the past, she knew what she was up against when squaring off against Child Protective Services and family court. Now she worries she's fighting something she can't see, an opaque algorithm whose statistical calculations help social workers decide which families should be investigated in the first place. A lot of people don't know What's even being used, Frank said. Families should have the right to have all of the information in their file. From Los Angeles to Colorado and throughout Oregon, as child welfare agencies use or consider tools similar to the one in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. Chime in here. My note, Allegheny County. Um, This is being used in the county I live in, in Pennsylvania. It's the county where Pittsburgh is, Allegheny County. So another one of the reasons why I wanted to read this article. An Associated Press review has identified a number of concerns about the technology, including questions about its reliability and its potential to harden racial disparities in the child welfare system. Related issues have already torpedoed some jurisdictions' plans to use predictive models, such as the tool notably dropped by the state of Illinois. According to new research from Carnegie Mellon University, which is located in Pittsburgh, my note, uh, they obtained, this was obtained exclusively by, a, by the AP. Allegheny's algorithm in its first years of operation showed a pattern of flagging a disproportionate number of black children for a mandatory neglect investigation when compared with white children. Uh, the independent researchers who received data from the county also found that social workers disagreed with the risk scores the algorithm produced about one third of the time. County officials said that social workers can always override the tool and called the research hypothetical. Child welfare officials in Allegheny County, the cradle of Mr. Rogers' TV neighborhood and the icon's child-centric innovations, say the cutting-edge tool, which is capturing attention around the country, uses data to support agency workers as they try to protect children from neglect. That nuanced term can include everything from inadequate housing to poor hygiene, but is is a different category from physical or sexual abuse, which is investigated separately in Pennsylvania and is not subject to the algorithm. So I'm just going to restate that again just to understand what we're talking about here. They're not talking about actual physical or sexual abuse. Um, They are trying to identify cases of neglect. 
And they admit here that what is neglect? How do you define it? Well, it's pretty difficult to define. All the way from uh, poor hygiene um, to, I don't know, maybe not, not you know, properly uh, clothing or, or cleaning your, your child's clothing. I mean, it's really anything could be... Uh, it really leaves it wide open um, to neglect, which is one of the problems with having a freaking algorithm determining this stuff. Just crazy. I continue. Workers, whoever they are, shouldn't be asked to make in a given year 14, 15, or 16,000 of these kinds of decisions with incredibly imperfect information, said Aaron Dalton, director of the county's Department of Human Services and is a and a pioneer in implementing the predictive child welfare algorithm. You could call her a pioneer. I would call her a psychopath, um, a crazy person, uh, somebody who is handing over to an algorithm uh, the lives of innocent little children. I continue. This story supported by the Pulitzer Center for Crisis Reporting is part of an ongoing Associated Press series, Tracked, that investigates the power and consequences of decisions driven by algorithms on people's everyday lives. Critics, sorry, just scrolled off the page. Critics say it gives a program powered by data. Some say data. I like saying data. I've kind of changed how I say that. Uh, Powered by data, mostly collected about poor people and outsized role in, in deciding families' fates. And they warn against local officials growing reliance on artificial intelligence tools. If the tool had acted on its own to screen in a comparable rate of calls, it would have recommended that two-thirds of black children be investigated, compared to about one-half of all other children reported. According to another study published last month and co-authored by a researcher who audited the county's algorithm, advocates worry that if similar tools are used in other child welfare systems with minimal or no human intervention, akin to how algorithms have been used to make decisions in the criminal justice system, they could reinforce existing racial disparities in the child welfare system. It's not decreasing the impact among black families, said Logan Stapleton, a researcher at Carnegie Mellon University. On the point of accuracy and disparity, the county is, parenthetically, um, making strong statements that I think are misleading. Because family court hearings are closed to the public and the records are sealed, AP wasn't able to identify firsthand any families who the algorithm recommended be mandatorily investigated for child neglect, nor any cases that resulted in a child being sent to foster care. Families and their attorneys can never be sure of the algorithm's role in their lives either because they aren't allowed to know the scores. Let's take a pause here. It's a good spot to interject. A couple, couple notes here. Handing this task over to a computer, to an algorithm that is searching through different databases to look for things is, is one thing. That's crazy in its own way. The system itself is already broken as hopefully I'll, I'll be bringing on a guest in the next few weeks that we've just not been able to get our schedules to line up. Um, she's going to share abs- an absolute horror story of having both of her children taken away from her because a, uh, a state doctor um, misdiagnosed uh, her child's um, disease that he was dealing with that led to uh, brittle bone fractures, hairline fractures, and bruising, and uh, took both of her kids away. The other kid having 
is 100% healthy, no, no issues with him. Um, just a nightmare of a story. And one of the reasons we're having so much trouble coordinating our schedules is because she is getting a lot of attention and she's having these you know, protests every couple of days and uh, it's gaining steam. And there's been a bunch of experts from across the country who have weighed in and confirmed the diagnosis. And actually, I, I believe this is correct. I think um, uh, Emily's her name. She said I can say her name. Emily and her husband uh, both also um, have uh, seen doctors and have been shown to have this same disease in a milder form that leads to just general fatigue and this this easy easy bruising and, and things like that. But anyway, just a, a real case in the same county. I, I believe they're in Allegheny County. They might be in the county next door. But anyway, same part of the country. And the uh, child services in that case is not using algorithms and they're totally royally screwing things up. So why would an algorithm stacking on top of that broken system make anything better? It wouldn't. It's insane. It's nuts. And we have to stop it. Okay, moving on, continuing reading. uh, Subtitle, Safer, Faster. Incidents of potential neglect are reported to Allegheny County's Child Protection Hotline. The reports go through a screening process where the algorithm calculates the child's potential risk and assigns a score. Social workers then use their discretion to decide whether to investigate. The Allegheny Family Screening Tool is specifically designed to predict to predict the risk that a child will be placed in foster care in two years after they are investigated. So it's forecasting. This is me interjecting here. So it's actually forecasting out like a, a date. Th- this is so dangerous because I'm just going to end up I'm gonna end up talking too much and take, take forever to read this article. And I have to go eat something, so I can't do that. Um, anyway. Um, I, I work in a risk field where I, I build models to predict things like cost and schedule on, on large projects, on, on different engineered designs, things of that nature. And that's, that's, it's giving you an idea of, of what can happen. But to say that they're using it to forecast out a specific one year, two years of when abuse is going to, not, not abuse, sorry, when neglect is going to occur is insane. We're talking about human beings here. We're talking about a life. We're talking about someone who has hopes and dreams, a little kid, and they're using and potentially destroying the relationship. The most important relationship to that little kid is his or her parents and potentially destroying that relationship by using an, uh, an algorithm, a computer. Just, just completely insane. Given the high stakes, skipping I think I skipped a sentence there. Let me go back. Using a trove of detailed personal data collected from birth, Medicaid, substance abuse, mental health, jail, probation records, among other government data sets, the algorithm calculates a risk score of 1 to 20. The higher the number, the greater the risk. Given the high stakes, skipping a report of neglect could end with a child's death, but scrutinizing a family's life could set them up for separation. The county and developers has, have suggested their tool can help course correct and make the agency's work more thorough and efficient by weeding out meritless reports so that social workers can focus on children who truly need protection. Interject there. So they think that the algorithm is going to make these shitty social workers um, better at their jobs. Crazy. Uh, the developers have described using such tools as a, and I, I'm not saying, let me just go back there and say that. I'm not saying the, the social workers themselves are are bad people or anything like that. Maybe some of them are. I'm sure most of them 
have the best intentions and they're great people. They're locked in a, in a broken system. That's the problem. Continue. The developers have described using such tools as a moral imperative, saying child welfare officials should use whatever they have at their disposal to make sure children aren't neglected. There are children in our communities who need protection, said Emily Putnam Hornstein, a professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's School of Social Work, who helped develop the Allegheny tool, speaking at a virtual panel held by New York University in November. Dalton said algorithms and other predictive technologies also provide a scientific check on call center workers' personal bias because they see the risk score when deciding if the case merits an investigation. Well, doesn't that give bias there with the risk score? And then it's going to bias everything you look at from that point after you see the risk score. I mean, bias is everywhere. That's me interjecting. Continuing, if the case is escalated, Dalton said the full investigation is carried out by a different social worker who probes in person, decides if the allegations are true, and helps determine if the children should be placed in foster care. CME researchers found that from August 26 to May, from August 2016 to May 2018, the tool calculated scores that suggested 32.5% of black children reported as being neglected should be subject to a mandatory investigation, compared with 20.8% of white children. In addition, the county confirmed to the AP that for more than two years, a technical glitch in the tool sometimes presented social workers with the wrong scores, either underestimating or overestimating a child's risk. County officials said the problem has since been fixed. The county didn't challenge the CMU researchers' figures, but Dalton said the research paper represented a hypothetical scenario that is so removed from the manner in which this tool has been implemented to support our workforce. The CMU research found no difference in percentages of black families investigated after the algorithm was adopted. The study found the workers were able to reduce this disparity produced by the algorithm. So the workers are correcting a broken broken algorithm. Which is it? Are they helped by the algorithm? Or are they working around the algorithm? Or are they correcting the algorithm? Which is it? The county says that social workers are always in the loop and are ultimately responsible for deciding which families are investigated because they can override the algorithm even if it flags a case for mandatory investigation. Interjecting so they can override mandatory, something mandatory. That makes a lot of sense. Continuing, Dalton said the tool would never be used on its own in Allegheny and doubted any county would allow for completely automated decision-making about families' lives. Um, I'm sure there's counties out there that would do this today. Continuing, of course they could do that, she said. (laughs) She just says, I think they are less likely to because it doesn't make any actual sense to do that. This is ridiculous. Wow. Despite what the county describes as safeguards, one child welfare expert who worked for an Allegheny County contractor says there is still cause for concern. When you have technology designed by humans, the bias is going to show up in the algorithms. Duh, there's bias everywhere, said Nico Lee Biddle, who has worked for nearly a decade in child welfare, including as a family therapist and foster care placement specialist in Allegheny County. If they designed a perfect tool, it really doesn't matter because it's designed from very imperfect data systems. Duh. Uh, Biddle is a form, and it's also assuming that people haven't changed. They're pulling data from maybe, you know, someone being arrested or 
um, you know, different issues that they've had in their, in their life. It's assuming people can't change and can't evolve. It's, it's, it's wrong in so many ways. Continuing. Biddle is a former foster care kid turned therapist, social worker, and policy advocate. In 2020, she quit, largely due to her growing frustrations with the child welfare system. She also said officials dismissed her concerns when she asked why families were originally referred for investigation. We could see the report and that decision, but we were never able to see the actual tool, she said. I would be met with, what does that have to do with now? In recent years, movements to reshape or dismantle Child Protective Services have grown as generations of dire foster care outcomes have been shown to be rooted in racism. In a memo last year, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services cited racial disparities at nearly every major decision-making point of the child welfare system. An issue, Aisha Skomberg, the Associate Commissioner of the U.S. Children's Bureau, said leads to more than half of all black children nationwide being investigated by social workers. Over surveillance leads to mass family separation, Schoenberg wrote in a recent blog post. Remember to say that again. They said that it leads to more than half of all black children nationwide being investigated by social workers. That is insane. Wow. With discussions about race and equity looming large in child welfare circles, Putnam Hornstein last fall took part in a roundtable of experts convened by the conservative American Enterprise Institute, and co-authored a paper that slammed advocates who believe child welfare systems are inherently racist. She said she collaborated with a group that suggests there are racial disparities in the incidence of the maltreatment because she sees the need for reforms and believes that the adoption of algorithmic decision aids can help guard against subjectivity and bias. Some researchers worry that as other government agencies implement similar tools, the algorithms could be allowed to make some decisions on their own. We know there are many other child welfare agencies that are looking into using risk risk assessment tools and their decisions about how much fully to automate really vary, said Stapleton. Had Allegheny County used it as a fully automated tool, we would have seen a much higher racial disparity in proportion to the proportion of kids who are investigated. Uh, subtitle, Lab Rats. A decade ago, the developers of Allegheny's tool, Putnam Hornstein and Rima, this name is very difficult to say, Raytheon Nathan, a professor of health economics at oh, New Zealand. Okay, so that's why it's a crazy last name. At New Zealand's Auckland University of Technology, began collaborating on a project to design a predictive risk model for New Zealand's child welfare system. Vathan Nathan and colleagues prototyped a child abuse screening model that proposed using national data to predict the risk that the child protection system would confirm allegations that a child had been mistreated by age five. The plan was scrapped after documents revealed the Ministry of Social Developments had sharply opposed the project, declaring these children are not lab rats. It's just crazy the mindset that some of these people have about this that yeah they literally are treating children as an experiment continuing the minister wasn't the only one concerned emily kettle a professor of social work at otago university in new zealand who analyzed the tool in the peer-reviewed critical social policy journal journal found that it would likely have resulted in more maori families being tagged for investigation 
reinforcing existing structural inequalities by contributing to the ongoing stigmatization of this population. In response, Faith and Nathan said that she and her collaborators are open to community criticism and committed to showing their work, even if jurisdictions decide against it. She added that she has worked extensively with indigenous Maori researchers. We've encouraged agencies to listen to those critical voices and to make leadership decisions themselves, she said. Faith and Nathan and Putnam Hortstein said they have since expanded their work to at least half a dozen cities and counties across the United States and have explored building tools in Chile and Australia. Brian Shore, a clinical psychologist and child welfare researcher at the University of Chicago's Chapman Hall, said the pair are respected for confronting ethical and racial concerns in creating the tool. He also said that Pittsburgh was the perfect place to create a model algorithm for other public welfare agencies. Sure, just experiment with the children and the families of Pittsburgh. This is just insane. Allegheny County is probably an early adopter where the stars seem to be aligned, where they have the data, Chor said. They have a solid recipe that I think is um, able to be replicated. In several public presentations and media interviews, Faith and Nathan and Putnam Hornstein said they want to use public data to help families in need. We're researchers and we're trying to model what good, good approaches look like in this field, Faith and Nathan said in an interview. The developers also noted in a document sent to Pennsylvania's Department of Human Services last year that demand for their tools had increased due to the pandemic. As the state weighed a proposal for a statewide tool, that would cost $520,000 to develop and implement. Where's that money coming from? Continuing, Faith and Nathan has said the tool ultimately can help address racial biases and has pointed to a 2019 Stanford University evaluation commissioned by Allegheny County that suggests it may have been a modest impact on, it may have, it may have had a modest impact on some disparities. So they commissioned this evaluation, this study, Allegheny County has Stanford University do it, and they say it might have had a modest impact. <laughs> I've always felt that these are tools that have the opportunity to improve the quality of decision-making, decision Faith and Nathan said at a November panel. To the extent that they are used with careful guardrails around them, I think they also offer an opportunity for us to try and address some of those systematic biases. But when... AP asked county officials to address Carnegie Mellon's findings on the tool's pattern of flagging a disproportionate number of black children for a mandatory child neglect investigation. Allegheny County questioned the researchers' methodology by saying they relied on old data. The researchers reran the analysis using newer data to address the county's concerns and reached many of the same conclusions. In response to AP, Allegheny County provided research that acknowledges that the tool has not helped with combating uh, disparities in the rates at which black and white child neglect, cases, child neglect cases are investigated. A recent unpublished analysis written by developers themselves determined no statistically significant effect of the algorithm on this disparity. We don't frame the entire decision-making process around race, though clearly it's an important thing that we think about. Just to zoom out for a minute here, um, the focus here on having a certain racial disparity, the algorithm producing something that is you know, predetermined to be a, a, a acceptable ratio, that's insane also, obviously. Going in with, with a bias that you should, you should have a certain output is no way to do any kind of uh, statistical analysis. Um, not that I would agree with it, even if they did it without that bias. Continuing. 
Dalton said her team wants to continue improving the tool and is considering new updates, including adding available private insurance data. Oh, private insurance data. It's going to be using this tool. How wonderful. To capture more information about middle class and upper income families, as well as exploring other ways to avoid needless interventions. This is so freaking insane. Continuing, Dalton also downplayed the algorithm's role in neglect investigations. If it goes to court, then there's attorneys on both sides and a judge, Dalton said. They have evidence, right? (laughs) So you got to prove your innocence in court. These people are nuts. What happened to innocent uh, until proven guilty? Oh, my God. Chores said Allegheny's tool is applied at the most important point of the child welfare system. The very front end of child protection Decision-making is understandably the most impactful decision you can make on a child's life because once you come in contact with the hotline, with an investigator, then your chance of being removed, of course, is increased. Chor said, The latest version of the tool includes information about whether a family has received welfare dollars or food stamps, data that was initially included in calculating risk scores. So it's excluding... Why was including that in the first place? Why is that a marker for potential um, neglect? This, this whole thing is just insane. It also stopped predicting whether a child would be reported again to the county in two years that followed. However, much of the current algorithm's design remains the same, according to American Civil Liberties Union researchers who have studied both versions. The, county's, the county initially considered including race as a variable in its predictions about a family's relative risk, but ultimately decided not to. According to a 2017 document, critics say even if race is not measured outright, data from the government programs used by many communities of color can be a proxy for race. In the document, the developers themselves urge continuing monitoring with regard to racial disparities. If over a million dollars have been spent Creating and maintaining this tool only calls for screeners to, dig- to disagree with it, for racial disparities to say to stay essentially level, and for screen-ins to continue at unreasonably high rates is the best use of Allegheny County's resources, asked Kath Zhu, an attorney for the ACLU. Child welfare agencies in at least 26 states and Washington, D.C. have considered using algorithmic tools, and at least 11 have deployed them, according to recent ACLU white paper by Zoo and colleagues. Little transparency, growing influence. Subheadline. Family law attorney Frank says she's always worried about the lack of due process and secrecy surrounding Allegheny County's child welfare algorithm. Some of her clients have asked if the system was surveilling them, because they use public assistance or community programs, but you can't answer. I just don't understand why it's something that's being kept secret. It's insane that it's being kept secret for so many reasons. The biggest one, I mean, it's, it, needs to, it needs to be transparent. I mean, you have a tool that is paid for. The biggest reason, it's a tool that's paid for by the taxpayers, and the taxpayers can't even see the algorithm that is potentially going to separate them from their children. Just completely nuts. Once Frank recalled, a judge demanded to know a family's score, but the county resisted, claiming it didn't want to influence the legal proceedings with the numbers spat out of the algorithm. Bruce Noel, who oversees call screeners using Allegheny County's tool, said that while the risk scores, 
While the risk score advises their decision on whether to launch an investigation, he is torn about sharing the information with families because of the tool's complexity. It's too complicated to share the information with you. It's, you're not smart enough to understand everything that goes into this brilliant tool. Shut up. Continuing, he added he is cognizant of the racial disparities in the underlying data and said his team didn't have much input into development. Given that our data is drawn from public records and involvement with public systems, we know that our population is going to garner scores that are higher than other demographics, such as white middle-class folks who don't have much involvement with public systems, Noel said. Dalton said she's personally, she personally doesn't support giving parents their score because she's worries it would discourage people from seeking services who need them. Duh, you think? It's already going to. I do think, because I'm sure seeking services is uh, input into the, into the algorithm that increases your score. Of course it is. Continuing, I do think there are risks, and I want the community to also be on board with the risks and benefits of transparency. Other counties using algorithms are taking a different approach. Larimer County, Colorado, home of Fort Collins, Collins is now testing a tool modeled on Alleghenies and plans to share scores with families if it moves forward with the program. It's their life and their history, said Thad Paul, a manager with the county's child, youth, and family services. We want to minimize the power differential that comes with being involved in child welfare. We just really think it's unethical not to share scores with families. Of course it's unethical. In the suburbs of South Denver, Officials in Douglas County, Colorado, are using a similar tool and say they will share scores with families who request it. Oregon does not share risk score numbers from its statewide screening tool, which was first implemented in 2018 and inspired by Allegheny's algorithm. The Oregon Department of Human Services currently preparing to hire its eighth new child welfare director in six years, explored at least four other algorithms while the agency was under scrutiny by a crisis oversight board ordered by the governor. I recently paused a pilot algorithm built to help decide when foster care children can be reunified with their families. Oregon also explored three other tools, predictive models to assess a child's risk for death and severe injury, whether children should be placed in foster care, and if so, where. For years, California explored data-driven approaches to the statewide child welfare system before abandoning a proposal to use a predictive risk modeling tool, Putnam Hornstein's Putnam Hornstein's, why these people have such crazy names, developed in 2019. The state's Department of Social Services spent $195,273 on a two-year grant to develop the concept. During the project, the state also explored concerns about how the tool may impact racial equity. These findings resulted in the state ceasing exploration, department spokesman Scott Murray said in an email. Putnam Hornstein's team is currently working with one of the nation's largest local child welfare systems in Los Angeles County as it pilots a related tool. The embattled agency is being audited following high-profile child deaths and is currently seeking a new director after its previous one stepped down late last year. The complex, the complex risk algorithm helps to isolate the highest risk cases that are being investigated, according to the county's Department of Children and Family Services. So far, the experiment has been limited to Belvedere, Lancaster, and Santa Fe Spring offices, the agency said. The tool also has allowed the agency to generate and review reports about cases involving black children and families who were deemed low risk. 
but we were still investigated and didn't resolve any conclusive or substantiated allegations, the county said. In the Mojave Desert city of Lancaster, probably say Lancaster out there, in Pennsylvania you say Lancaster, Lancaster, U.S. Census shows 22% of the city's child population is black. In the first few months that social workers started using the tool, county data shows that black children were the subject of nearly half of all investigations flagged by additional flagged for additional scrutiny. The county did not immediately say why, but said it will decide whether to expand the tool later this year. Back in Pittsburgh, family law attorney Frank is still trying to untangle how exactly the county's algorithm is impacting each client she shepherds through the system. To find strength on brutal days, she keeps a birthday calendar for the children she's helped and sends them handwritten cards to remember times when things went right. She's still haunted by a case in which she says she heard a social worker discuss a mother's risk score in court around 2018. The case ultimately escalated to foster care, but Frank has never been able to understand how that number influenced the family's outcome. County officials said they could not imagine how a risk score could end up in court. There's no way to prove it. That's a problem, Frank said. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, It's hard to believe this is the world we live in today. We no longer live in a time when it's a question of if we will have a social credit system. We have a social credit system. We have a social credit system that is determining if you are fit to raise children, that is determining on if you are predisposed to be neglectful to your children. This is insanity. This is crazy. I don't care how much transparency there is. I don't care how much equity is built into the system. I don't care about any of that stuff. Algorithms being used in any capacity to potentially separate a child from their parents is insane. It's evil. And it it can't be allowed to happen. Uh, This is the direction that the criminal justice system is going. This is the direction that child welfare systems are going. This is the direction that our entire government is going with regards to the relationship on how it controls and manipulates its citizens. This is a glimpse into the future, people. If we don't wake up now, we're going to wake up living basically in social credit score China. And is that what you want? Is that what you want for your life? Uh, Imagine, I mean, you're already ruled by credit scores to to buy a house, to get a car, uh, to to get a job in some cases, things of that nature. Um, Imagine if it's credit score, where we talked about today, a credit score to be allowed to have a kid, to raise a kid, Um, a credit score uh, to be allowed to to go grocery shopping, to be allowed to to go to a uh, department store, a clothing store, um, a retail store of any kind, being allowed to buy certain things. This is the direction that our government is going with controlling the people. You can wake up or you can put your head in the sand. I suggest you wake up. With that being said, guys, that is a wrap for the show. I tried to keep it as short as possible and I'm still at almost 40 minutes. So hopefully you enjoyed uh, the format of today's show. If you did, uh, please, you know, you can always send me an email, john at lionsofliberty.com or even better, you can go to my solo Finding Freedom 
feed, Finding Freedom. So, so to find it, just search Finding Freedom, John Odermatt. It, it'll come up. And you can leave me a five-star rating and a nice review and a nice comment about this show, about this episode. And of course, you can share this episode with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.